Sometimes the best way to understand our society and culture is to take a deep dive to find our peace of mind. We're here today with peace of mind. Well, there's thunder and lightning going on in the background. Um, today we're going to be talking about self-dependency. Um, self-dependency is a very interesting thing to talk about, and I, I think two key key factors. We spoke about this yesterday is uh, the the different trees that make self-dependency. Uh, we're going to go over that um, on today's episode, and I think I think an important thing to start with is what the difference between the two of us are ideas and understanding of, of self-dependency I think that's I need weed but I think that would be a good thing to start sure that sounds great <laughs> do you want to go first no, no I, I gotta light my joint so you know, you, you know <laughs> while you're talking I'm gonna be puffing you know productive Sure. So, so for me, I feel like self-dependency, depending on yourself, is like uh, something that comes from either the necessity of having to depend on yourself when there's no one else, or the feeling that you really should learn to depend on yourself just to be a fully self-sufficient human being. Um, I think that it can extend to financial and emotional and mental and, and vocational and environmental uh, uh, areas. But basically, it's just, it's like having... It's having a guide. It's basically like, for example, when you're playing an instrument, you have this device that counts when every single time you're changing chords. It allows you as a person to have that guide that allows you to kind of pave the way through your life. But is it a guide, though? I feel like, well, so I feel like people who taught themselves how to be how to be independent who didn't necessarily have others to lean on i feel like it's a guy it's a roadmap that you make for yourself so it is a guide but it's not necessarily a guide that was given to you by somebody other than well, you were well the thing is you're the guide yes well you're creating the guide or right, you're creating the roadmap right correct for example like with what i mentioned with the instrument you know you could put on that thing that counts how many strumming you know you four five six twelve whatever the number is yes but you know you as a person have to you know involve yourself in this and understand what you're doing and then taking it upon yourself so yeah i agree with you 100 percent. What, what, what i was just referring to is the idea of like your the guide like the you are your own guide yes you are your own guide. Yeah. It's well, it's depending on yourself. It's learning to take care of yourself. It's learning on, it's learning to, uh, nurture yourself and, uh, teach yourself and 
like ask for help when you need to ask for help and support yourself and uh, create the little universe that you exist in, your own little individual universe. And it's, it's kind of understanding that you either have everything that you need or you don't and you have to figure out what those things are. And it's sort of like, to me, it's, it's, it's less a guide than it is just a presence of mind and awareness that you need to always be, and I feel this very much myself, and I'm somebody who's been you know, self-dependent since I was a teenager and um, partially by necessity and partially because I'm just a very independent human being, um, but also because I grew up in a very, you know, negative, abusive home. And so, like, you just kind of end up relying on yourself and, and creating your own roadmap because the roadmaps that you've been given are all very tainted. It's and so good, it's, it's it's trust, it's, it's having an awareness of what you need or what you think you might need or what you know you don't have. Right. No, it's like I said, it, it, it's a great point. I, I think something to keep in mind is not all of us grow up in healthy environments. Um, some of us grow up in environments that can be quite toxic. And to learn self-dependency depends on sometimes of where you grew up. Some people grow up with parents that are that really strive for that message, you know, with my parents and and all of their problems and issues that I had, one thing I can say is my dad's ideology of self-dependency. My dad was a very big big believer of it, you know. He was very against college. He was a very strong believer of you make your own. He's like, why why work for somebody? Work for yourself. That was my father's, like, constant uh, intention in, in your way of thinking. And it took me a while to to understand it and really to to visualize it. And and I understand where he was coming from. My father came here as an immigrant from another country. And when he came here, he had to learn to survive in this country. And that's a thing also which is important is self-reliance. Relying on yourself knowing that, fuck, I'm here now. What do I do? What do I do now? What what am I going to do? Totally. Totally. I, yeah, I was, I grew up in an environment that was where I didn't really feel like I could trust the adults around me. I didn't really feel like they were adults a lot of the time. I didn't feel like they had control over the situations that we were living in or the, uh, the finances or the emotional states of, of the others <laughs> or the, or the, of themselves. And so from a young age, I kind of learned to just be very, very much like live in my own world and also understand and figure out what I what I needed to survive and what I needed to get by with that while doing as much as I could, but also not um, sticking out so much that I would cause undue uh, attention to myself. And like it. Be, so I, I learned how to be very self-sufficient at an early age and my partner is kind of similar as well. The, their, their situation was even more more so just uh, needing to rely entirely on yourself um, than mine was. But like, I think, I think, yeah, there's a, and, and there is a definitely, there's a, there's, there's lots of other experiences other than that. Like my, not everybody had to be an adult since they were children. So many people got to actually be children and then it's something they have to learn when they're older. You mentioned, you know, with your partner, um, which if you mm-hmm. don't mind, we can kind of, his name is, his name is Saturn. 
uh, he might Th- their name. Their, their name. name. Sorry. Their name. Um, they might yeah, be. Cool. They might be here on the podcast uh, one of these days. But what I'm really curious is you've mentioned to this to me before. Mm-hmm. You and you and Saturn have different upbringings and different backgrounds. We mentioned this yesterday, where you said that your self dependency. You know, your understanding is is very similar on both levels, but you have. A different experience when it comes to it uh yes you want to elaborate a little bit more on that i'm actually kind of curious definitely absolutely well so my experience was my parents are both uh close to 40 when they had me they were old freaks old hippie weirdos who met in an aa meeting my mother had been sober eight years my father had been sober two uh they hooked up and nine months later i was born uh, they didn't particularly like each other, and the entire time was very fraught. And they did manage to stay together in some hobbled way for, like a little over, you know, like a dec- almost a decade and a half. Well, thirteen years, twelve or thirteen years. But like it was inconsistent. We grew up. We moved ni- uh, nine, uh, fourteen times before I was nine years old, and including both coasts of the country. And there was no like when people think of like a childhood home, like we didn't have one. I had so many different ones. We had uh, continually had different cars that were just you know we'd get they'd get a car, couldn't afford it, repossessed. Get an apartment, couldn't afford it, move. Like it was just that kind of constant thing. And then like you know my mother was very much, you know she was very much sifting through her own trauma because she was she was born to people that were like the the dying like the the last generation of of raging Irish Catholic alcoholics of like the south side of Chicago where they're like successful on the outside and then on the inside they're just like heinously abusive to their children so she was like going through her own traumas but in that was not able to disengage from that and so she was an extremely abusive parent she's been dead for like about nine years and my father was just pretty absent he when he was there he was actually quite a good father but he just didn't really want to be a father when he had me he already had one son who was 11 years older than me and he wanted to focus on him and like trying to be as present a person in his life and then my mom got pregnant and she and like kind of bullied him into becoming a family and so he was he's a he's a pretty he's a good dude so he was just like yes let's, let's okay let's do this and they tried and it was not successful but there were so many pitfalls it was constantly like you know constant fighting constant breaking up constant this that uh, like but then you know not breaking up really but like kicking each other you know like just like out of the house like some physical violence a lot of emotional and, and they basically just came together because you know there, there was a common understanding of yeah of, of you uh and again i i, I, I think yeah and i think it's it's really I, I think it's it's a really it's a really important piece when we talk about self-dependency right because it all comes back to the parents. Now, again, yeah. no one should use parents as an excuse to being a drunken al- alcoholic in the future. You know, you could, you know, your trauma is not, your trauma as a child, it is not permanent. You can always get that taken yeah. care of later on. But anyway, going back to this is where you're basically saying you're being raised in this environment of constant moving, constant changing, you know, this tension yeah. between the constant two Constant flux. And so, yeah. Yeah. So my, I was, you know, I started writing stories and creating little stories very young. And so my, my center of, of stability was really from myself from an early age and creating little, the worlds in my mind and writing the characters that I came up with and creating these really long narratives. Like I wrote my first like full novel at 13 years old. And then, you know, when I was, when I was uh, just 15, 
the year that 9-11 happened. Uh, I was 14. Um, uh, I, I met my first partner at 15. We were together for like three and a half years. He's still one of my dearest, dearest friends. But that gave me a sense of autonomy. And I was pretty much acting as like an adult or at least a college student level of just autonomy from about 15 years old on. Um, you know, and I also, you know, I was, I was working from 16 on and I've never really stopped. I'm 36 in a week. And like, you know, I've just kind of, and, and I had, you know, I lived at home for longer. Like I lived at home to like, you know, 19 or so, but like, that was just because we were broke and it was just, it didn't make, I didn't even make enough time to be able to get housing outside. So I'm just like, um, from like what I'm hearing, and I, I, again, the the two of us we have we have completely completely different backgrounds. But what yeah. I from what I'm hearing is, you've had to basically be, in, and this is something we have in common, where you've had to be an adult. You never were. Yes. A ch- I never was a child either. I was always being an adult when it came around my parents. I was a child with my friends, but then when I was at home, right. I knew that I couldn't really go to anyone with a problem. Like right, I knew exactly. that I had like yeah. unless it was unless it was something that I would like if it was something that I would get in more trouble with if I didn't tell it, then I would tell it. I, I would do that. But like, for example, like my mother, like she kicked me out, out of the house multiple, multiple times when I was a teenager as well. And so when we were it was just the two of us, my dad had left. Um, she found my diary at one point and, and read it. Like, first of all, huge violation. <laughs> like you should not read your children's diaries. Like, but she read it and then she like held me in like this like you know like almost like in court and just like spent several hours berating me for it for what the contents were and uh you know i was i was a adventurous little child and um and then kicked me out of the house and that was her solution and like that was 13 years old so like i had you know i i i had you know around that same time i i suicide at one point like i had to be I realized that if I wanted to have the life I wanted to have, I just kind of had to like figure it out. And I right. knew there were people that I resonated with because I was very into like MTV and like subculture concepts and things and just in movies. And I was like, these are the people I need to be with. The people that are making these films are these people who are singing these songs or making these music videos. I need to find the people that are like this. And so I had this idea of like, there are more of me out there. I have to find them. But it also made me like very, very self-sufficient. Like so, just have my, I have my, everything planned. I know where all the exits are in every room, you know, when that kind of thing. When we're talking about childhood, uh, getting back to Saturn. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. You having your childhood and I mean, um, they, they're not here. So I, I don't yeah, know exactly yeah. what, what their childhood <laughs> is. But from your perspective. I can get into it a little bit. What, what is the difference between the two of yours? Uh, uh, I can't speak English, but uh, your <laughs> childhood. What were the main differences? Well, I'll try, to be, I'll try to be a little bit vague because I want them to be able to say their own piece with it. But I'll, I'll just kind of summarize it a little bit. But they were born uh, as they were born as an as an accident to a teen mother, uh, never knew their father, was raised by their grandparents. Grandmother was very abusive. Grandfather was kind of great, but his military was gone a lot of the time. Um, and uh, was di- Saturn was diagnosed at type 1 diabetic at like six years old. And that was very challenging because people just didn't know as much about that like 30 years ago. And then like uh, basically was at 13, was kicked out and uh, made a ward of the state. And has been on on their own since they were thirteen. 
and just figuring that figuring it out since then not like and like for me on an emotional and like psychological level i was on my own like where i had to create my own reality because i had an abusive upbringing but i had a home i had a family like I, the last member of my mother's side died last year and she was that was she was a really lovely one but like you know i don't have family currently really like biologically other than my partner but i do have or like not that i'm like connected to but saturn just suddenly had no one like it's a different thing so there's there's self-reliance in a different way when you are literally just on your own from the time that you're 13 years old so it's interesting because um talking about this i mean with your childhood and their childhood i mean even with mine you know i had i had loving parents my parents didn't really know how to be parents um, they tried their best, but, you know, the hardest thing for me was when I finally decided to make myself of my own and leave the community, mm-hmm. I gave up everything. I literally gave up my family. You know, people don't understand this, but when you come out as gay and you come out as not being religious, you like you mentioned like with with Saturn it's like that's it there there's no one like you cut yourself off now i yeah. have a little bit of a connection with some people but there's barely anything so i mean it's crazy to say this but i i, I i'm going to go back to this i think self dependency starts at a very young age yes totally with 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 many well, I think the, I think the realization that you need to depend on yourself starts at a young age, for sure. Unless you're like very coddled and the, kept like you know, uh, protected from the world. Which can sometimes be very damaging for children. You know, coddling them totally. is a wonderful thing, but at the same time, sorry, uh, we're having a little bit of a. I love the sound of the thunder and lightning over on your end. I'm, like, so jealous of it. But my my cat (laughs) is kind of freaking out, so I'm trying to, like, hold her and, like, calm her down. And I'm like, baby, don't worry. You ain't done today. But but all serious. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. But all all serious aside, like, you know, all jokes aside, um, again, I cannot speak English. But anyway. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> it, it, it's really, it's really hard for children, because you know, as great as pe- people try to be parents, remember, parents are adults, and adults are humans, and humans make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, you know. Like at at thirty six, I think about like because you know we're not in a place where we're having kids now, but like we, we plan on it in the next few years. And like, that's something that we talk about a lot because we both come from these crazy backgrounds. And I think a lot of people would be like, a lot of people keep even straight up rudely said to us, like, well, you know, like things like, well, with backgrounds like that, why would you want to have kids? And it's like, well, because I want to, because I feel like not everybody needs to, but if you feel like you do feel like it's part of your purpose in this lifetime, like do it. <laughs> if you don't feel like it, not everybody. Don't do it. But no, like I know. you know, yeah. Not everybody's cut out for it. Yeah, not everybody needs to. 
No, no, not everybody's cut out for it. Not everybody needs to. But if you really feel like it's your calling, absolutely do it. And don't shame anybody if they want to do it, if they have a weird background. Like, you know, like that's, that is called breaking the cycle. That's kind of, and that is a sense of, you know, self-dependency as well as like, is, is there's a lot of talk. I feel like in our generations of people who are like breaking the cycle, quote unquote, where it's like you were raised in some sort of negative environment or like some sort of like, you know, like in something that was really terrible and you're the first person like you know it's sort of like a Daenerys Targaryen or whatever like Mm -hmm. where it's like you're breaking in in the early in the early episodes the early seasons of Game of Thrones where you're like breaking the wheel so to speak where you're like you're I'm gonna write this new story and it's it's like that's what we're all I think trying to do now is just write our own story and not continue the toxic narrative that we might have been born into you know I I I think Oh my god This podcast is going to be amazing Just letting you know This is real This is real This is not like special (laughs) effects Uh, (laughs) I'm so jealous And it's nice and cool in LA At least today It's not hot as well But it is like Not raining like that And I'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I, Oh god I was I lost track No um, Blah what I was trying to say was, I think that when we when we all strive, you know, especially now more than ever, like we're able to reach more people than ever before. I mean, we could literally spew our diaries all over TikTok, and millions and millions and millions of people will might click on it. TikTok has changed lives. I, I, I think <laughs> it really has. <laughs> I think also like being a dependent person means to have, you know, a give no fuck, take no shit attitude kind of. Yeah. That's why it's one of the tenets in the Burning Man culture. It's radical self-reliance, right? It's like one of the, one of the principles is, is literally like relying on yourself and not, not, Expecting anybody to come and save you, basically. Nobody should be saving you because the way, the path to isolation starts with expecting people to be there for you. The second you start to, you know, rely on people being there for you, you're fucked. But at the same time, I think no one should, you should never expect someone to come and save you, but you should always want to go help others. Mm-hmm. Like, not all the time, 100%, you know, obviously, because we have to have mm-hmm. our own lives, but like, yeah. I feel like you should never expect, have that expectation from anyone else. But this is how I live my life. Like, I don't ever expect anyone else to help me, save me, anything like that. But I do always want to be a resource that other people can come to if they need help. And I make my I make that very clear in all of my friend in my friendships and relationships. And I try not to spread myself too thin. But I do I, I have my shit together. I have spent a lifetime figuring it out and and making it work right. You know, like making my little motor work run right and like my whole little system work right. And I want to help those who have had similar backgrounds to myself and who have had had similar struggles because I think that 
part of being human and part of really understanding, you know, for me, the meaning of life is just learning how we can help each other and make the world better for everybody I in the think, process. I think it's, it's, I, I kind of, um, I kind of believe in this, in this philosophy, trauma, suffering, stress, depression. It's what makes us better people. And, 100%. And, and it's like the thing that all the pharmaceutical companies do not want you to hear. And it's like the fact of life. Being depressed literally means there's something that you're not doing right. Something that your body needs, you're not giving it. And you just, ha you just can't put the pieces together. I've known people that have done like psychedelics that were super depressed. And then bam, like something just clicked in their brain. Like, oh, quit I'm a, job. a big believer of psychedelic, of psychedelic, psych psychedelics as medicine, 100%. But I also do understand, and as I've gotten older, like when I was in my teens and, and 20s, I was definitely like, oh, you can just fix it with, with diet and exercise and everything else. And as I've gotten older, I've been like, you can't fix everything with that though. Like sometimes you need both. <laughs> yes, there's an element of the external and changing the external, but sometimes it really is just your brain chemistry. And I think there's, I think that things are definitely overprescribed, but I do think, and they, this comes back to self-dependence as well. But like, I think that things are definitely overprescribed, but I also think that like, for me, it was more accepting that like people need you know, like I, I, I take, I, well, I just have ADHD medication, but like, but I have, you know, close people who are in antidepressants and things as well. And like, it's changed their lives. And I think that sometimes it's what you're doing. And sometimes it really is just, you have weird, you know, your brain chemistry is so just different neurodivergency, it, 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 you know? And so sometimes right. it does it both, both. I think it's both. <laughs> I, you, you're correct. I, what, what I, I think is also important, not everything works for everyone. I'm not saying that you pop yes. a pill or take a mushroom. That's not how you fix things. All I'm trying to say is a lot of issues that we struggle with are, again, that indication of being dependent, meaning a person that's open-minded, a person that has control of their financial situation, a person that has control of their life goals. Again, not everything is in our control. Sometimes things go out of hand, but we have somewhat of a structure of what we're doing. We're not just sitting around and doing nothing and complaining how we get nothing. You know, you, you can't just right. sit around and do nothing and expect the world to come. It's just, no. No, you have to make the waves yourself. You have to like, you know, you have to, you have to, if you're constantly sitting on the sidelines and you're like, why isn't anything coming to me? Then you're going to be unhappy your entire life. But if you get in there and you start to swim around and you're like, you start to meet other people and you start to have different experiences. You start to expand your horizons and like, you know, open up to new things and connect to different people and find those right avenues of, of people, of friends, of, of work, of, of creativity, of art, whatever, whatever you're looking for. But you have to be willing to, to, to do that. And that's part of self-reliance as well, is knowing that it's not going to come to you. You have to actually do it. And I, I said this before. Communities don't make individuals. Individuals make communities. Yes. And it's simple as that. Well, how do you feel like, so the, your, the upbringing that you grew up with, how do you feel like, do you feel like you were able to draw on any lessons that you learned um, 
in terms of how you view the world and your tenacity in taking on new experiences and like life paths? So for so for me, I mean, we, we spoke about this before. When I left, um, I turned to three different avenues. Um, I started looking into being more open-mindedness. Uh, three musical people that I connected really well with, which was David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, and John Lennon. And then lastly was Buddhism. Um, the big issue for me is I grew up in an environment that was that was very, very controlling. So, hold on a second. So because it was very controlling, you weren't really allowed to think. God does the thinking for you. That, that, that was the, from my experience, that, that was my, that was my teaching. Um, so I really had to create my own way of, of understanding and, and solving things because it was hard, you know, because I was raised in an environment, oh, I don't have this. Oh, pray to God, pray to God. Say like this and this and this and this and don't worry, God will give it to you. Like that, that's the kind of crap I grew up with. Um, I think, I think the biggest struggle that I, I would say for myself was finding that connection. You know, you, you, you kind of spend time with the wrong kind of, oh God, I've spent the wrong kind of time with a lot of people. Like the type of people that only wanted to hang out with me because I was, because of my sexuality. And I, I didn't really understand, you know, and then those people went away and then I went, you know, and then I dealt with these other crazy psychos. <laughs> and it's, it's been sick. I would say been six years. Me now, the person that you're hearing talk right now has only existed for about six years. This is me from the ground up that this person, there was no, I was not like, there was no point of my life. I was like this until about six years ago. Which seems like very little to you, because, you know, you've had a longer life experience than I have, but <laughs> for me, like, I'm 23, but I've only lived six years of my life out of those 23 years. I understand that. I do. I mean, like, on a, like same, same, but different kind of level. Um, but... I understand it in, in a different sense of, but like, I think where I can relate to that is when you are in survival mode, a lot of your life, like, oh, so much of your life is spent trying to just find solid ground to move from, to expand from, like, because usually people have some of the things, right? They have like, like a home or a family or some kind of financial support or like, you know, like people who like, it, there's like some factors of things, right? But like when you're kind of literally just like shoved out, you have to figure it out. And so a lot of it is just feeling like, okay, who is my community? Where am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to make, like make money and support myself? Who am I supposed to be partners with? All these different things where you're just like, what am I, like, what am I, like, you know, and what am I, what is, you know, what, on a like spiritual and creative level, what am I supposed to do with my life? Creative, like through my art, through my acts of service, through my act, my actions. And like, so there's so much that's just 
running, 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 you're like on autopilot. And so then when you're finally able to like stop and you're like, oh, I actually, where I am is actually pretty good. Like that is kind of similar to, I think I can resonate with it on that level where it's like, once you are no longer like on autopilot of trying to, trying to do whatever the thing is like, or trying to like obey or trying to like, you know, whatever, like whatever your thing that's keeping you on that track is once you step off, it is like you're kind of like renewed or reborn yeah. because you're finally able to be autonomous and separate from the things that got you there. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't know if this applies to everyone, but the people that I've met that left the community, like I did, I don't like those people. A lot of them are still on autopilot and a lot of them are they're really fucked in the head. Like, you say the wrong thing, you do the... Like, they're just... Their brains are just on, like, a hundred... Like, it's just it's just crazy. And there are people that I relate with very well that have no understanding of what I, what I was raised with and I have great relationships with. However, this doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. There are people that, like... You grew up in an environment, they grew up in the same environment as you did, and then you have that great click. But, again, remember, you know, also adaptability is an important thing about dependency. You can't be dependent if you don't learn how to adapt. Like, remember you were telling me, like, you're, like, jumping from house to house? Like, you gotta adapt to each situation. Like, oh my god, no! Yeah. Ah. You have to learn how to go everywhere and talk to everybody and and you know adjust to every environment that you're in i have people like i hang out with people sometimes and they'll see me go from one environment to another environment to another environment and just kind of like switch from thing to thing to thing and just be able to talk to anybody on like a very genuine like you know one-to-one kind of way and they're like how do you do that it's just like well because i have to (laughs) like there's no one else like if i fought like i i help a lot of people myself like i help bring a a lot of other people up And I've had a little bit of help from some friends and stuff along the way in terms of just like, you know, help teaching me how to like apply for a credit card, for example, (laughs) or like drive as an adult because no one ever taught me when I was young and I just biked everywhere. Like, you know, like things like that. Um, And like, you know, no one wants to teach you if if they don't think that you're going to be able to pay for their car if you you crash it. (laughs) But like things like it's it's true it's really you have no idea how hard it is to learn how to drive as an adult with no money it's insane but like now i have two cars now i have a a, a car and i have a truck and i'm you know it's like yeah i did this <laughs> but that's a completely different story i appreciate everybody who has helped me but at the same time it's something where it's like you know if you fall no one's no one's gonna catch you so you have to adapt 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 and sometimes that means you're never actually able to pause for long enough to process what's what's gone on but at the same time it also and that happens later and so you sort of have a delayed response in terms of emotional things because you never really had the space to explore that stuff so you have to find other avenues to explore it because your immediate way of dealing with something is just adapt to whatever the new situation is and it's it's a it's a wonderful skill. It can also be a burden sometimes because it kind of se- separates you from other people, um, because you have a different way of processing things emotionally because of the way that you've what you've experienced and the trauma and the inconsistency. But it's also wonderful, like to really rely on yourself. You do have to learn to trust yourself in every different environment. Like you might not trust the environment, but like I'm never scared. 
I never really get, I get scared that things might happen to other people, but I'm never really scared for myself because I trust myself. Girl, can you see the back of my chair? I can. Your cat is freaking out. She's like, what is this thing that's happening outside? Are we going to die? Is there going to be a flood? She is a part of the podcast. Um, uh, that cat needs a thunder vest. <laughs> yeah. Talk, fuck you, thunder. <laughs> you know the thunder buddies? Uh, anyway, uh, let's not get off track. But, um, what I wanted to go back on was you mentioning about like learning new skills, and funny enough, mm-hmm. I had skills that I had to learn. Um, you know, like safe sex. I had no idea what safe sex was. Okay, and that kind of like what? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. I was I was 17 years old, and I had no idea what safe sex was. Didn't even know what gonorrhea was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what that is, that happens. I, you know, you, you know what rumspringa is? <laughs> rumspringa is. I know the cat. She's so great. <laughs> I see her. She's like, I don't know if I can trust the ground. I don't know if it's wet. I don't know if there's something going on outside. What's happening? My world is falling apart. Oh, but like, okay, so uh, the Amish go on Rumspringa when they're like of age and they go out and they oh, like for this. the first time they're exposed to the outside world. Yes, it's a year where they decide to do everything. Usually it's sex and meth and they're able to, <laughs> and like drinking and partying a lot and they're able to, and ecstasy, you know, not just meth, I, should, I shouldn't just limit it, but like it's just, they go out and they've been and in heroin. everything. Come on, you gotta, been, t- you gotta yeah. throw heroin, in, well, heroin no, I mean, into this. It's, I think it's more uppers, honestly. It's like party drugs. And like, so, so like they end up, they just party for the first time in their lives because they have freedom and they have nobody telling them not to. And in that year, they have to decide if they want to go back to being Amish or if they want to like, you know, live in the tainted outside world, outside of their world. And then they have no more ties to their family and stuff. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. It's a very interesting thing that if you look into it, but that happens so much with people who grow up in places like Amish or like any sort of religious cult where you just don't have any exposure to safe sex or what sex is or how pregnancy happens or how STDs happen. And then and it's like you get exposed and then these kids come down with these crazy things because they no one's ever taught them about that stuff. Like because they've literally been taught that it's, you know, it's it's sinful. It's something that they should never do. And so like it makes entirely makes sense that you were not exposed to anything that would have it's allowed you most, to know what these things were. I'll tell you this right now. <laughs> I like to travesty. <laughs> like imagine imagine like Judaism doing this where you have a year that you just take off from Judaism. I'll be very honest with you. If people did that, I guarantee you they'd lose a lot of followers. <laughs> they'd lose probably, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they probably lose a lot of followers. It just baffles me Most like Most religions what I think, you know. But look at the Amish <laughs> They're like, fuck it. Yeah, go out for a year. Yeah, go ahead. You know, and they're... That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy to have that. I mean, they're lucky. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. It's like when you're when you're raised in an environment where you don't have any idea what the rest of the world is like and all you're told your entire life is that it's bad. Like, when you actually see it and you see that it can actually be really beautiful, it would you want to go back, you know? Like, 
you can still have faith. Like, and that, I don't know, faith is something that's internal. It's something that's individual. It doesn't, to, to me, this is what I believe at. Like what you believe is just between you and the universe or whatever your thing that you believe is. You can bring other people into it if you want, but never without consent. You know, you can tell people about it, but not. I don't think you should proselytize. You shouldn't force it on anybody else. But at the end of the day, like whether or not you're at a church or at a synagogue or at a mosque or, or in the woods or at, you know, a weird abandoned building photographing it at late at night, like whatever you find God in, that is your spirituality. That is your spiritual practice. And I don't think that you need to be under like a, religious structure to, to get there. I think today, most people, we create our own religions. Um, I, I, I think we're at a point where the, my personal view, I, I, people find this strange. I will respect somebody, I will respect somebody for being, I know it sounds like gunfire. <laughs> It's like something's coming. It's coming to get you, like like pumpkin head or something. <laughs> As you're talking about like religion, and then there's suddenly there's like thunder and lightning. Yeah, it's like it's like Jesus be like, Dave, you better not be talking. You better not be talking about exactly. The Lord's the wrath true of, The wrath of whatever your spiritual deity is. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is like these customs that are old and yes. in many ways very, very outdated. And people are starting to realize, like, we said this before, just like Freddie Mercury had no problem getting off stage in 1978 just wearing his undies, just stripping down to his undies. And you have a person like David Bowie that's just getting up there on the stage dressed like a freaking, you know, non-binary alien. alien yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you have the dolls, you know, these really hot men in the 70s looking like freaking girls at their concert. And you know what you say to yourself? That is the definition of self-dependency, where you're seeing somebody that's being the truest version of themselves. I yeah. Mean, like, what other reason would they have well, to, and to where do you, that? Yeah. Well, and you're and and you're seeing you're like nothing that I come from resonates with me. I need to find that resonance elsewhere, and then you see somebody expressing it on stage or whatever like and you're like oh my god this is the thing that i've been looking for and it might not be that particular artist or whatever because you know many are many many artists that were groundbreaking artists end up coming out as problematic or you know this field they did bad shit later but like you know but so it's not that person but it's what that person represents it's that freedom that they were able to tap into the freedom the madness the self-exploration and just the trust that you can let your mind go off its leash and it's going to come back to you. Yeah. It's like that little chihuahua that doesn't get off your, you know, off your shoes. Like, yeah, like how I don't trust my rats when I take them outside. I love them to death, but I would not trust them off leash outside. <laughs> <laughs> Are you planning something? They're just like, oh, what's this? 
Oh, I, we take them outside. We take them on little adventures. We took we took Mush Mush, the oldest rat, to the farmer's market. And it and we took a video of, like, this wonderful, uh, one of the, like, this this person who had, like, this one of the booths, and she sprayed down the rat. And it's funny because that got, like, the most the most likes on a reel that I've ever gotten. It's gotten almost 5,000, like, almost, like, 5,000. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Or, like, views or whatever. Like, not likes, but, like, uh, like uh, views or, like, people watched it and i was like this is nuts why do people just love watching rats do shit but like we take them out but like i wouldn't put them down you know you want that chihuahua to come back to you but like you put a rat down they might be like oh yes the city that i come from the streets i understand i remember what i am and then they're gonna you're never gonna see your rats again <laughs> or some bigger predatory animal animals gonna grab them and be like oh this is a plump little snack i'm gonna eat this thing yeah and like no i'll come back here I mean, I, I, <sighs> it, it's kind of it's it's kind of like that weird thing, especially for me. Like I live paycheck to paycheck, and yeah, I have a pet, you know. And like the one thing is like I don't understand if you're paycheck to paycheck, like how the how the hell are you supposed to afford to take care of an animal? And I'm like, listen, honey, you know I've got this little fluff ball for about four years, and she's got me through heavy shit. Okay. Yeah. And it it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Remember remember we 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 said earlier about self-dependency, about how it's good to have people that we can help, you know, help others and then have this this environment of we're working together, you know, we're there for each other. Having animals, I feel like expands that even more because here you have like Totally. Like she's terrified of the storm right now. And I'm talking right now as we're speaking, and I'm being like a parent, and I'm holding her, and like I'm serious, yes. like this is what I'm doing right now, and you grab one of my rats, <laughs> and you just like him. you just realize <laughs> you just realize how important it is to be a part of this world. Oh my God, he's so fat. He's, he's so fat. So this is Mr. Moon Pie. He's so fat. He's just, he's just like a little, he's a blimp. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like pets are really um, an important part of self-dependency. I think like that's also like, it's a way of also giving back, you know, the earth is changing just like it has done for millions of years, but it's the steps that we're going to do to take care of this earth. And again, yes. like all this comes back to is caring, protecting, being a part. These are all individual tasks. These are things that we all have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. We can't live in space. Like, no, can't, can't do that. Well, and I also think with animals, it's even more of like a service of humility, too, because like with people, you can talk to them and they can tell you what's going on inside their heads or what they're feeling when they need something. With animals, you really have to like tune into them because they are little energetic beings. They don't have words. Even if they understand you and communicate with you, you have to learn each one's like ins and outs to really be a good pet parent to it you know like like 
it's you're it's caregiver. But I also, yeah, as somebody who is paycheck to paycheck most of my life and still am when the seasons are slow out here. I mean, sometimes I'm making bank and sometimes I'm like, well, I hope I can make on the bills this month. <laughs> it's just the one, the wonders of being a freelance artist person. But like, uh, you know, so I totally understand it. And I think I honestly have a different perspective on pets than a lot of people do. And it's just like, are you bettering this animal's life by being in it? Yes. yes. If the answer is yes, then keep this animal. Like if like you, you will think like you'll figure it out. You can ask, you can figure it out. You can find a way to take care of it or care of them if they're sick. But the thing is like, I think that there's, if you're a responsible person and you know how to feed an animal right and treat it right and, and notice when something is off with it, like, I don't think you have to have a ton of money to have a pet. I think you just have to be like a, a receptive person to little, little creatures <laughs> to like the needs of a little creature and well, like you are yeah. benefiting it and it's benefiting you. Like all three of these rats that I have, these are like our little furry babies. Like we love them. They are well, some of the bright spots of my life and of, of Saturn's life as well. We literally will just like hang out on like a weekend morning, just like watching the rats and joking with them and making fun of them and picking them up. And you know, they're, they're like a constant thing constant source of, of 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 interest for both of us in our in our lives and these are all three of them would have been snake food if i hadn't adopted them like i do take them to the vets when they're sick and stuff because i am you know knock on wood i am lucky and grateful enough to have you know a bit of financial stability at this point in my life but like i didn't for a long time and i'm able to take them to the vet when they're sick and stuff but it's like but at the same, but I also have to think about like, if I had not taken them, they would literally be dead. They would all be, be bought as snake food. They're not animals that are generally, unless you bought, go to like a, you know, a fancy expensive rattery, rat breeder, like you're not going to get, rats are mostly just bred to be meals for larger carnivorous I, animals. Yeah. I mean, I can, I, I can kind of relate. I mean, um, Twixie, the, the, the the cat that that's been running around here because of the lightning um <laughs> she was found by a friend of mine I've, I've said this before uh when she was walking home back from college and i took her in having another pet and that cat i no longer have but she basically chose me you know and and i kind of got the sense that she didn't have a mother and she was abandoned at a very very young age yeah and she just wanted something like a companion. She just wanted something to like yeah. care for her. So that's what I've been doing for the past four years. And it's hard. It's hard. You know, she's she's an anxious cat. She gets crazy. But that's the thing is like we're saying about like being a pet parent is you realize. I think it also makes you a better person, especially how you're with other people, because the pets teach you different ways of compassion and kindness and yes and how to love without getting getting the you know how to love kind of unconditionally too yeah i mean they can't really like kiss you you know good night i mean some some of them do but yeah they can't give you the same love a human can but they can give you a love like you said that's unconditional like yeah they're these weird little things that have decided to trust you 
and you've earned their trust because you've treated them well. And they're just these wild little, these, these little wild things that are like, I trust you. I like you. I'm going to hang out with you and I'm not going to bite you. And I'm going to sit and laugh and I'm going to pet you and I'm going to like lick you and wag my little rat tail. It's great. Like, but <laughs> they do it something is, it is really wa- but like it's wonderful it yeah. really it really is wonderful it is yes having pets is the best is one of the best experiences in the world you, you know I, I think also like we, we've been talking um, a lot about self-reliance I think also um, one thing we, we were touching about earlier was self-awareness and I think for especially for the both of us. Um, I'm very aware of my situation. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I freaking make made really big life choices. Um, being aware is so important because to be dependent, you, you gotta understand, okay, so if you want to, if you want to live here, you are aware of that you're gonna have to be making this and this amount and to do this and this and this and drive here and there you have to be aware of your situation. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And and that I think comes back to like, you know, so something I I something I talk to people a lot about like cuz I feel like I've lived a pretty wild life and I've been pretty public about it on, on social media and like and I don't mean like a crazy party but I've, I've just done a lot of crazy shit and like I've done a lot of things like you know on different in different realms of crazy shit like personally politically you travel like just extremes Can of I, things I, I, and, I do, I'll tell you this I, yeah. I've done I've done this with a few people where I take three songs to describe the person and yes. there's three songs that come to mind when I think of you what First one is? is Taking a Walk on the Wall Side by Lou Reed. <laughs> like Lou uh, Reed. Life on Mars by David Bowie. <laughs> and this may sound weird. Um, I don't think it's... I think it's Days or Haze by Led Zeppelin. I think it's Days or Haze. It's a really cool song. But those are three songs... That if anybody wants to understand, like, Eli's, like, perception, I think those would, like, be too very... I feel like music kind of allows also people to have another layer. And that's important, too. Yes. It's like our self-identity in many ways is we relate, we relate to things. Again. Especially, and I was, in a, I was in a band that was, like, locally popular, and we toured a little bit, and stuff in Chicago when I lived there and I was in it for 12 years and it's funny I went back there Saturday and I went back there this last time and one of the old bandmates was getting married and it I realized just how much of my identity is still tied to the fuzzy bunnies of death <laughs> like music in terms of what you identify with but also if you ever made music and if you ever were in a band or like a solo artist or whatever like and you are DJ and like you created situations where people bonded or people found you know opened up or found certain parts of themselves or felt free or felt there was a catharsis or whatever like that's also a thing too is just like 
the way that that kind of continues through your life and like you might not have been doing it for like like our, our band we played our last show and not because we didn't love it we loved it it's just everybody moved um because we've been doing it since we were I, I was 16 when we started we've been doing it since we were like literally teenagers and like you know we just were like over it we're almost 30 at that time and we haven't played a show since i was like 28 but like you know it's still something that i think of every day and i think of like that space that we created for people to just go nuts <laughs> and explore themselves. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we, we don't live in the days of Andy Warhol anymore, but there are many more Andy Warhols than there was 50, 60 years ago. And I, I say the same thing where, you know, we don't have the hippie movement anymore, but we have better version of hippies today, just kind of in all of us. I think over time we start to, we kind of go through like the twilight zone of these different doors that we open up with different keys. And we don't realize of what kind of people we become because we take those different pieces and we make the person who we are. And then we relate to the past, but then we don't realize what we have now. We have way more, way more of it. Than we had 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah, a hundred thousand percent. I think I love seeing what younger generations are creating. I don't think I will ever feel like, oh, the kids these days. I love seeing what kids these days are doing. It makes me so happy. I can't wait to, to see what the next generations are doing. Like, I think that those big iconic people that like made a big, you know, big impacts in our lives and like you and I have slightly different musical inclinations, but we have like, but I think we can agree on a lot of the same ones. And like, you know, those ones, you can't replicate that because certain things just literally changed society. You know, like I, uh, Saturn and I got to see the, uh, the David Bowie, uh, documentary, um, Moon, uh, Moonlight, uh, Moon Age Daydream last night, and um, our 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 dear friend was actually the assistant editor, uh, first assistant editor on the film, and so we all had a group of like thirty five people last night, and we all went out to see it, and it was fantastic, and it was beautiful, but it was also like uh, it's a, go see it, everyone should go see it, it's great. I saw also, it. Our friend it, was, it. Was, <laughs> like, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but you, sh uh, any any stoners but, that are listening, you should definitely watch this high. But yes, go on. Yeah, we 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 had our not weed, but we had our own fun things. Um, <laughs> yeah, you need it. You can't watch this um, thing sober. Yeah, we had our little squirt bottle of, of ketamine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was great. That's that's our jam. But like, you know, so we went to go see it, and like, it was. Thing is, like he was the first person to open that entire universe to a lot of people. Not to say that it didn't exist before, but no one had ever been in that right place at the right time to create that kind of movement and ripple through society and then continually do it because he kept going in know, to find new things about you know himself and, and as an artist. But do you know who inspired David Bowie? The Velvet Underground. His brother. His the, brother. Velvet Undergr the Velvet Underground. Yeah, but his... His brother also, but what I'm trying to say is, is like you're mentioning with generations from generations. Yeah. We, a lot of the times, take from the past, we bring back, and we make it better. Or, and sometimes we take something that we've yeah. seen, we get inspired, and then we show it to the world. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, think of, okay, here's a good, like, think of the, the Bauhaus art movement and architecture movement. And then think of the band Bauhaus that was one of the first official goth bands creating music with like, you know, weird costumes and like it referenced so many other things and called itself Bauhaus after the Bauhaus art movement. Like you have things, everything is sort of a meta reference to everything else. And I mean, and that's kind of the beauty of art is that that's the beauty of art and just of generational and cultural exchange is like nothing is ever completely new because it's all just us sharing back and forth forever but it's the way i mean some things but then yeah it's the way it it, you're right but it's but it's the way in the direction right isn't that the most important yeah it's how it changes the world around it it's the it's the waves that it sets into motion that ripple through eternity that's what is different from some artists versus other artists is that some have that resonance and you hear it forever and some don't and who's to say why some things stick with some people with people and others don't as much but i think that all of them have a place you know in in cultural history as long as they're not trying to just imitate no as long as they're yeah. Well, something no. that I loved so much in that documentary, and this is going back to the, well, this kind of goes back to a little bit to our topic was David Bowie feeling like he had just kind of be, you know, like feeling like he was a, he was creating a character and just like I was really interested in. I didn't know as much about his art. Like I want to like I loved all the performance art pieces and installations and like paintings and stuff that they were showing. And it's interesting because he lived in West Berlin, like I think before like the war, the wall fell. And then, like, chose to live in, like, Thailand and India and, like, other parts and, like, just other parts of the world and stuff. And, like, just travel and learn all these different things about people because he just felt like he had to keep, like, and I, I, I feel the same way. This is why I've traveled and done so much shit where it's, like, you have to have new information to, like, to figure out at the core what you're creating and why. Like, and, or not even why, but just, like, to create something new, something that is a new, the new thing that you're pushing out you're not replicating or imitating yourself you're just you're constantly growing and trying to change and trying to seek out experiences that you're able to adapt to or from that that, that's uh that that what that's what i was saying also yesterday was freddie mercury which is another great example which was kind of the same point as david bowie Freddie Mercury also had the no shits attitude where he loved learning and exploring and he constantly was changing the way he sang and how he put things together and how they performed. And just like David Bowie, you know, like all these, they were very hard to work with. You know, you ask anyone that worked with David Bowie or Freddie Mercury, they're very difficult people to work with. Oh, yeah. And like you're saying, these are people that have so much information in their head. And it's like it's spilling out of them as if like they're drowning in the sea and you try to like talk to them and get them to like say what they're trying to say. But they're just just blurting and you're just like, what are you fucking trying to tell me? Yeah. You know, that's that's the sort of. But I think that's not just that's not just artists. That's a that's a particular kind of artist. It's sort of a little bit of the diva artist. And yes. like a lot of the times that's the front person. Like I feel like most people who are front people uh 
have that naturally or allow themselves to go there where they are kind of like these like you know divas <laughs> and and or like they're they're these people who kind of like you know they're difficult to work with because it's like they're not just creating the art they're creating the spectacle of the art as well so it's like they're like you have a lot of a lot of like pop stars who are perhaps the performer and the singer but at the end of the day they have an entire team writing writing their work and teaching them choreograph dance film dance moves and a whole marketing team that's deciding what their entire that's pretty uh, you much know, the entire you, concert you, is but then with david bowie what you uh, with you bowie pretty, you had just like what no i was gonna say was you're pretty much describing uh, pretty much all of artists that we have now pretty famous not the underground there's a lot of really great underground artists today but there's a lot of artists today that they don't they don't do anything they just hire a team to do everything for them yeah yeah you have some that still do a lot of it i mean you have some you have, you have a few not many yeah well a lot of underground ones and i think i think after a while people will get tired of that especially with like social media being the main way of seeing new stuff rather than marketing like people are marketing themselves it's not the same as it used to be where you had to like have a a thing <laughs> but like you know have, have an agent and thing i have an agent or whatever like you don't have to have a team or an agent you just have to put your stuff out there and figure out how to get it out there and i think it's a lot more there's a much more of a um uh self-dependent media marketing these days because of the influx of social media especially tiktok nice tiktok is so. nuts every time i i mean i, I yeah. Nice touch, nice touch with self-independent. Yeah. I'm like, how do we circle this back? No, but it is though, really. Like, TikTok is this crazy thing. And like, I make content on there, but like, I don't have that many. I have a tiny, small little handful of people that follow me. But like, that's small, but like 500 something. But like, people have thousands, millions. And a lot of that is self, self-made. Um, I'm sure there's strategies and everything to it to get to that point, yeah, but, but it's like a lot don't... of that is self-made. And every time you see a hashtag, it goes billions. You have billions of people seeing things a day, and that's insane. And that gives so much opportunity to see new content and to see these new emerging things where people are doing everything themselves. And I think that's really wonderful. Like you don't have to have the money; you just need an eye. You, or you just need a phone. <laughs> All you need is a phone to be able to, you know make yourself into some like make yourself seen now it's one it's great yeah but i don't think it's also like the numbers i think that's also uh something that's important we're not always needing a large crowd means that you're making a change uh sometimes the little things you know the the people you know what i was reading an article about this which is so true which is where you'd rather have people that are that are interested in this. I personally with this podcast as well, I would prefer to have a small group of people that genuinely care about these conversations than have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that just don't care. They're just, you know, I don't know, whatever, fucking clickbait or whatever. Yeah, but ideally, wouldn't you like to have both? I want to have both. 
I want to have both, but what I'm I an care artist, about, I want to have both. <laughs> but what I care about more is that group of people. Remember, Dave, that was the whole thing about David Bowie was same thing with Freddie Mercury as well. Prince, same thing. Michael Jackson, same thing. The crowd, their fans, not audience, their fans. Yeah. Made the, made the music like there were many of their songs where they would just get on stage and everybody was just singing their songs. But I think it's about what you're trying. To, I also think it's about what you're, what you're doing it, why you're doing yeah. it. I guess, like, if you want your stuff to have some sort of effects on people, the goal would be to have it touch more people, like, I, and to touch people personally. Like, I don't think the choice has to be small and intense. Uh, appreciation or vast and not intense appreciation sometimes you see something and you're just like wow this this piece of work is just absolutely brilliant regardless it might be loved by millions of people but it also might be you know um give me one minute i'm gonna go put her down um i'm not gonna put her down and kill her i mean put her down like (laughs) put her on a blanket so she can tuck herself in uh i'll be right back cool Are we still, we're still recording, I guess. Well, I'm just going to talk about, uh, I guess I'm going to just talk about rats and art. So I'm I'm just going to plug my own pop-up mobile installation called Rat Palace USA. It combines my two favorite things, rats and art, which are also uh, palindromes of one another. Uh, Not palindromes, what am I saying? Anagrams of one another, I'm tired. yeah, it's all about taking people through inner psycho-emotional journeys, but using these sort of like uh, poppy uh, psychedelic art rats to do so. They're offering boxes that people interact with, and it's all about guiding people through personal journeys through these little cartoon rats. Hmm? Hi, I was just plugging my rat palace installation. <laughs> the confluence of my two favorite things my immersive art installation and my and rats <laughs> uh we, so we were talking about um you know with the audience yes. uh you know that's why we, i did that because actually because it, it goes directly in, in line with what i'm trying to do with as an artist which is like help guide people through different experiences like on a psycho-emotional level with the work that I create. And so, yes, I, so of course I want it to touch people on an individual level. So if I have a small group of people, it's not fans, it's not like a rock star, I'm not a rock star, you know, like, but it's like, it's not that kind of a thing where you're seeing people, people are seeing you come perform. But for me, it's like, I want people to interact with my, uh, interact with and participate in my immersive experience that I create. I, and I've taken this pop up to like nine different things at this point. And people do everywhere I go, people react to it and they interact with it and they, they put their, and they do the thing that I've set up for them to do. And a lot of people get emotional and they take things out of it because that's the whole point of it. It's getting you to ask questions that you wouldn't necessarily ask yourself and then like interact and see where other people are because of those things. So, you know, is the goal to like, get everybody to experience it no but i definitely want it to have a a broader you know a a broader reach it's um to some degree um because i think that the more people are asking themselves those questions in this strange and safe and surreal container that i've created for them the more people are engaging in these conversations about their you know internal growth and development who they are as people 
I I I, I want to leave off with this and say for me <laughs> for me for me self dependency has always been a message, and the message is you don't have to live in a rut. You don't have to live and stay comfortable to be able to be the truest person of yourself. But remembering the choices that we make, we have to accept the consequences to our actions, even though that there's a positive. So always remembering that to make a positive, you need a negative. And with every negative, there's always a positive. That's it. That, that, that's what I'm leaving off with. That's cool. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to, wanted to throw into the bone bag? Trust yourself to do the thing that you're scared of. And the more, the more that you do and you are able to do and that you didn't think that you could do maybe, the more you will be able to rely on yourself and see what you are made of and the less frightening the world will seem. Yeah. Well, that's been Peace of Mind from uh, Lost in the Groove. So stay tuned and uh, remember, uh, we've had fun. It's been great. And we got lost in the groove. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace.